Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Scootybarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Scootybarger for this week's message from Story Point As you heard, old Jeffrey is out of town, so I guess they had to get the smaller version to replace him. I'm open up in prayer, and we'll get started. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord will provide. God, you give yourself that name. You give us that promise, God. Lord, I pray that uh, you would just open our ears, open our eyes. God, open our heart to what you have to say to us today, Lord. God, I pray that you give me the words, give me the wisdom. Uh, to say what I need to say, and more importantly, to not say what I don't need to say. So Lord, as we go through the service, I pray that you would just be upon us and we get a good word for me. All right, so if you'll turn to Genesis 22, verse 1. While you're turning there, I'm naming this one The Ultimate Adventure. If you didn't know, I went on a very fun excursion. So I uh, was working with this company, Tethered, great company, and they put on this event called the Tagged Out Tour. So basically, they got five young dudes, sent them on an old school bus that they converted to a camper, lived out of it, traveled the country, all expense paid, tags, food, gas, everything. So we went and did this for three, four months around there. Um, and I was blessed enough to be a part of it. Really good people. But it was a trip of a lifetime. It was the ultimate adventure. I mean, when you're young like me and you're just into hunting like that, like, what could be possibly better? All expense paid, going on a trip where you just get to hunt every day and, I mean, film it and put it on YouTube. So we traveled to 13 different states to hunt, all over the Midwest, down south a little bit, a little bit to the east, not too much. But that's what we did. We hunted, and we put it on YouTube. So if you want to go check it out, if you want to watch me uh, miss a few deer, it's fine. Um, not my best work, but that's not important. But you can check that out on Tether Nation YouTube uh, under Tagged Out Tour. But Genesis 22. So we had finished the tour, and we were going from Mississippi to Nashville. Our headquarters is in Nashville. And one of the things that I really tried to do when I was on this trip was my goal was to be at church every Sunday. It doesn't matter how I was going to get there, whether I was walking, taking the truck, or whatever, I was getting to church. And so by the grace of God, I was able to go to church every Sunday except one. And that's because we were traveling from Nashville to Virginia, and yeah, it just wasn't a possibility. I was able to watch live, but I, I tried to be there in person. But... This particular night, we were going from Mississippi to Nashville. It was the last day. I tried to get them to leave Saturday night. They wouldn't leave Saturday night. They're like, Sunday morning is it. You know, I was lobbying. Come on, just Sunday afternoon, like just a little bit. They're like, no, we're getting back. Like, it was cold. We were tired. We were done. So I was like, all right. So I was praying, God, provide a way for me to go to church. Like, we take it for granted that we can hop in our vehicle and just drive on to church when you have five guys in two trucks, you can't just casually, all right, I'm going to go out for five hours. You, you just can't do that. 
And so it was a thing every week just to get to church, which that's a whole story in itself. I could talk about that for a while. But I prayed, Lord, provide a church for me to go to. So we drive the trip, only five hours, get to Nashville. I'm like, oh, I got an idea. I think night church is still a thing around here. You know, Nashville's a little, little bit of a bigger area. Sure enough, I find two services, and it was perfect. One was at 4, one was at like 6.37. So I was like, oh, I ain't got nothing better to do. We are staying with a friend over there, um, and they were just getting in town. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. So I go to the first church, and I'll tell you, this is a little tangent. Don't let me get too far on this tangent. But I went to this church. I got welcomed one time whenever I walked in the doors by one person. There was four guys right there. One person said hello. I went to the church, went through the service, and it was Thanksgiving, so they had a little fellowship with pumpkin pie and coffee, all that. Afterwards, I was like, hmm, interesting. So me being, uh, I guess you could say, the church connoisseur I became, which, once again, that's a whole other story. But I was like, all right, let's test this theory. So I got my pumpkin pie, I got my coffee, and I sat down in a chair in the foyer, 50 people around me. I sat there for 15 minutes, not a single person talked to me. They'd look at me and just look away. I didn't initiate no conversations, not a single person talked to me. So that's, I mean, that's concerning. But it was this hip church, it was really cool. You know, they had all the lights, all the special stuff. They had like three different services. Like, it was the church in that area. So I was like, well, that was disappointing. So I make my way to the second church. It is First Baptist Church of Springfield, or no, Spring Hill. So if anybody from there is watching, thank you. Y'all are amazing. Let's just say I was the youngest by far. The second was around 65. So you have this young buck right here walking into this church. I was actually probably dressed like this. Walking into this very traditional Southern Baptist church for a night service. There's about a dozen people there, not too many people. But I'll tell you, within five minutes of me getting there, I'd already had four or five different conversations. Many people have welcomed me. I felt like I was a part of that place. So I'm sitting there, the preacher, great guy, he was preaching, and I'm sitting there in my pew, looking around. I had been on this adventure of a lifetime, this ultimate adventure, and I think to myself, is this all? I had been hyping this trip up for forever, and it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. It was amazing. But I found myself saying, is this all? What's next? And then I sat there, and during this whole sermon, I was thinking back on the things that had happened on the trip. And I was seeing the way that God had provided for me on this trip. And I was like, ooh. And I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, right there, you need to preach this. So right there, and I probably got some serious bad looks because I didn't have a notebook or anything. So I, I had stuff coming to my head, so I was writing it in my notes on my phone, so it looked like I was on my phone during service. So we ain't going to worry about that. But I wrote down all these things, and I was like, ooh. Ooh, that's good. All these different scenarios where God had provided needs that I had. And so I want to share this with you. But first, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Genesis 22, verse 1. We get this verse 
from Genesis 22. Now, this right here, most of y'all probably know it. Um, it is where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah. So, God had called Abraham and said, listen, I want you to sacrifice your son. Verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, the importance of this is Abraham and Sarah had been trying for a very long time to have Isaac. Isaac was their promise. God had promised Abraham and Sarah a son. But it wasn't coming to fruition. A bunch of stuff happened. That's the whole Hagar story. I actually ironically preached on that last time about three years ago. Didn't even coincide that. But they had gotten this promise from God. It eventually was fulfilled. Abraham was about 100 years old. And this was their son. This was their son. And God goes and says, I want you to sacrifice this son, your one and only son, whom you love. So that's the significance of that. So Abraham is faithful. He goes, yes, Lord. So next morning, they get up. They go with two servants and a donkey. They got their wood. They got their fire. Obviously, they got Abraham and uh, Isaac. They walk up and start heading up to Moriah. They drop off the servants and the donkeys. They have the fire in the wood, and they head up. During this time, it doesn't say exactly when, but they're on their way, and Isaac, he's, he's looking at the fire right there, and the wood's right there, and he's going, hold up, hold up. Where, where, where's the sacrifice? We're missing a, a pretty essential part to this, don't you think? And in verse 8, Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God was going to provide that. He knew God was going to provide that. At that time, what was, he, what was going through his mind? He didn't know how he was going to provide that. He knew he would provide. So as we go up, they finally get there. They get all their stuff ready. And Isaac is about to be sacrificed. He has the knife. I guess that's how they do it. I don't know, knife fire. But before he does it, in verse 12, no, no. Yeah, verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, so Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, in the ASV, verse 14 is read as, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said, to this day, in the mount of Jehovah, it shall be provided. So, whenever I was in youth group, we did a very in-depth sermon with Mr. Brent on the names of God. I'm talking over a year of going over 
many names of God. And one of the names that always stuck out to me was Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. God our provider. Along with Jehovah Rapha, which I also love. God who heals. But I've always been drawn to this name. God gives himself this name. He gives us a promise that he will provide. Now how does he provide? He provides in three ways. Physically, you got food, water. He provides those. Finances, he provides those. Healing, he provides those. Emotionally, you have peace. You have contentment, satisfaction. And then, most importantly, spiritually, the ultimate provision, eternal salvation. So, like I was saying, where this trip ties into all this, all these provisions I got to see. And uh, for Abraham, it was a ram. The ram was tangled. That was his provision. That was the sacrifice. For me, we had just left. We had just left Nashville. You got a bunch of kids that were, man, we're ready to go. This is going to be awesome. We're all excited. We're about two hours down the road. The, uh, the, the speedometer was acting a little, you know, not working type of thing. So we were rolling down the road, and we had a chase truck. I was driving the truck behind them, and all of a sudden, boom! This tire explodes. Shrapnel started flying 30 feet up in the air. I didn't have a tape measure, but that stuff shot up. Black pieces everywhere. We're on an interstate. The bus starts veering. He's in the right lane, goes to the left lane. Luckily, there's no cars. Goes onto the shoulder, and there's a ditch. Grass, a ditch, and then a guardrail. And he's going, he's going, and by the grace of God, a miracle, Big Country, our bus driver, we love Big Country, he was able to pull it over, go through the lane, once again without hitting anybody, all the way through the right lane, not hitting anybody, to the other shoulder. And nobody died. I suspect if he would have gone into that ditch, it was a pretty steep ditch. That bus is very top-heavy. I mean, it's, it, ain't, it, it ain't exactly luxury, to say the least. If y'all have seen it, it ain't luxury. It has cheetah print. It's special. But if it would have gotten into that ditch, most likely it would have rolled. I mean, he was going. He was going good. There's not really seatbelts in that bus. So that would have been, that would have been probably deadly. Um, but the Lord provided safety in that moment. As we got off the side of the road, we pull up. We're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Everybody piles out like rats. They're all like, oh my gosh. I'm talking the looks on their faces. They're, we're all hugging each other. And right there on the side of the interstate, somewhere in Kentucky, I don't even know in, where in Kentucky, we prayed. We thank God for that provision. Another time, we are in a state hunting. Uh, it was later on in the trip, so, you know, it had been a lot of stuff happening, pretty crazy. But there was just some tensions rising with uh, a person. And they were starting to boil over, and they eventually boiled over. And uh, it, wasn't, it just wasn't the greatest situation. But I was ready to handle the situation. But 
I was like, all right, let, let's step back. So I, uh, I, I, gave my, I gave my weekly call to the parents. You know, I was all on my own, but had to call them at least once a week to tell them I was alive. I was on the phone with them just talking, and uh, somehow it, it brought up, it got brought up, and my mom goes, ho, oh. ho, 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 I got this. So she gets her prayer ladies on it. You want to talk about scary? You want to talk about scary is going against the prayer ladies. Her prayer ladies got on it. I received a text when I woke up the next morning. It was Exodus 14, 14. Exodus 14, 14 says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So you see... I was going to handle this my way. I was ready to handle this my way, and I like doing it my way a lot of times. But God, he stepped in. He intervened. He provided a way out. Less than 24 hours later, a bunch of crazy stuff had happened. Just, I mean, just ridiculous. What are the odds type of stuff? The issue that was had the person, they pack up, left within 24 hours of that. They're planning to stay there for, I, I don't know how long, I guess, however long we we're going to be there. But God provided. He provided a way out. And I sat there looking like, wow, that, uh, all right, God, I see what you're doing there. He provided that way out. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Provides for us physically. It's crazy. It's just uh. he diffused the situation, and I didn't have to handle it my way, which is preferable. So, second way God provides is emotionally. God provides for us emotionally, peace, contentment, satisfaction. So, one of the ladies in First Baptist, like, man, I got a great sermon title for you. Romans 12 and ramen. So that wouldn't make sense. But we were in Missouri. And you just got to understand, we've been doing this thing for weeks. If you do something for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, the same thing over and over again, waking up at 3.30 before the sun comes up, walking a mile or two to your stand, setting up, hunting, Coming out, scouting out, going to Casey's, which if you don't know, it is a Midwestern delicacy. It's a gas station with some killer morning pizza. Going to Casey's, getting lunch, going back to the woods, scouting your way in, setting up, sitting there all day, going back, hiking the mile and a half out, two miles, whatever it was, going to camp, eating, going to bed. Do it all over again. You want to talk about Groundhog Day? I wake up, I'd be like, oh, what are we doing today? Oh, same thing we've done for the past three and a half months. It was awesome, don't get me wrong. But at that time, it was rut. So if you don't know, during the rut, the bucks are chasing, they're going crazy. So you hunt a lot. You're going hard. I was tired. I was worn out. I was just, I was exhausted. That's the best way to put it. I was exhausted. And everybody was hanging out, and I'm like, all right, I need to have a little Jesus time. So I get my Bible, and I get my ramen. Well, the thing with the ramen, we had these things called challenges. So it was a little competition between all of us. We had challenges. One was 
sleep in the back of a truck bed until you tag out, which was not fun when it rains. It's not important. One was a drink Diet Mountain Dew until you tag out. Our friend Ernie, he loves Diet Mountain Dew. So that was for him. And I ended up getting that one. That was pretty cool. Not a fan of Diet Mountain Dew. But one was eat nothing, nothing but ramen until you tag out. Well, I was on hour probably 44 of this. Now, we're in the mountains, mountains of Missouri hiking multiple miles, average around five miles a day, three to five, depending on the day, if it's a light day, hiking that, eating nothing but ramen. I was done. Now, if you don't know, I eat quite a bit. I eat a lot of protein. I eat a lot. I'm like a human vacuum cleaner, as you could call it. I just inhale it. But I've been eating nothing but ramen. I was weak. I could feel my body like shutting down because that stuff is terrible drinking water, and I sit at the base of that tree, and Romans 12 comes to my mind. So I'm reading Romans 12, and I'd been having, uh, there were some theological differences between me and one of the guys, great guy, we just had some differing opinions, um, and it was, it, was, it was just, it was rubbing. So I was reading Romans 12, and Romans 12 talks about unity in the body of Christ. And at that moment, God provided me that scripture, one, but peace in that scenario. He provided me peace through his word, through Romans 12, that we are to be united. So I didn't have to worry what he was doing. I was doing my thing, he was doing his thing. At the end of the day, we were good. We were both pointing to the glory of God. So peace provides peace. And my favorite part is contentment. He provides contentment. If you turn to Philippians 4.10, I'll tell you, I love me some Philippians. I love me some Paul in general. Paul is my guy. So if you don't know, Paul, he is, uh, he is a very large part of the New Testament. Paul originally saw he was a Christian killer. That was his goal in life was to kill as many Christians as he could. He would persecute them, throw them in jail, It's the worst thing for their faith. And then God, Jesus, revealed himself to him, to Paul, through through blinding him. I actually got to talk about this story last night, so I'm excited. But he changed his life, changed Paul's life. And because of this, because of the transformation through Jesus, through his salvation, he was a radically changed person. Radically. During Paul's life, he was imprisoned. So we we like to talk about, oh man, I've been here, I've done that, I know what I'm talking about. Paul's the real deal. Paul was imprisoned for his faith. I don't think any of us have been imprisoned for our faith. I don't believe so. If you have, I'm sorry for uh, playing that down. But we have not had the persecution that Paul has. This man is legit. There is no fluff in his game. He had the chance to escape from prison, but he didn't solely because he wanted to share the gospel with the guard who was going to kill himself. I mean, this man has figured it out. His contentment, he is okay, he is content with being in prison because he gets to share the gospel to these people. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me indeed. You were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. 
I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I mean, this is how we are to live. Paul found the key. He found the key to contentment. It wasn't all these things. It wasn't these cool cars. It wasn't the coolest trip you could possibly do. That was not his satisfaction. That was not his contentment. It was not money. It was not fame. It was nothing but the contentment in God. He figured it out. We need to figure that out. We need to listen to Paul. So I sat there. I sat there in that pew that Sunday evening. And I was thinking to myself, what's next? What is next? I've been thinking that every day. What's next? Where's the next state? Where's that next big buck bedding? Where's the next person I'm going to meet? Where's the next whatever it was? Where's the next meal? I was thinking about that a lot. I was thinking, what's next? But I forgot about what's happening right then. See, I was so focused on what's next, even though God had already provided what was next. I was so focused that I didn't get to see as much what God was doing in that time. God's already provided that. We don't have to worry about that. However, I was worried about what's next. Missing some of the things that God was doing. Don't miss those opportunities. Danny Adams, great guy. Love him. He came here. He spoke, him and his wife, uh, a few weeks ago. Maybe months ago. I'm not really sure. He is the example. He is my favorite example of doing what God has you're doing in the midst of what you're doing. He takes his work and he uses it as gospel opportunities. He takes his conversations, and he uses it as Jesus' opportunities. Hmm. To live like that. He is content in his situation. See, the problem is, if we aren't content with God, then we're looking for satisfaction in another place. Now, that's a scary place to be, because if you're looking for satisfaction in something that will never give you satisfaction, you will never be satisfied. Never. Never be satisfied. Because Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy you. He sent his son for me, for Saga, for Peyton, for Krista, for everybody. To satisfy the wrath of God. To satisfy salvation. The free gift of salvation. That's the most important part. A third way God provides. He provides with the spiritual provisions. We have the fruits of the Spirit. Found in Galatians 5. You ain't got to turn there. We got love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, goodness, etc. We have all these things, these attributes, these characteristics that God gives us. 
And what is it through? What does he give it through? The Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit as a spiritual provision. The Holy Spirit who lives within us. See, when the Holy Spirit lives within us, when we're walking in the Spirit, there is a change. There is a change. There, it's not, there might be a change. There is a change. You can see this change. If you don't see this change in a person, then you can question, are they walking in the Spirit? When you're walking in the Spirit, you see the people no one else sees. When you're walking in the Spirit, your everyday conversations turn into Jesus conversations. When you're walking in the Spirit, you turn your places of work into gospel opportunities. God opened those doors for those opportunities. I'll tell you, we, Anthony and I, we went to Tampa to go fishing this past week. Spring break. We're like, all right, let's go fishing because fishing two minutes away is not good enough. We got to drive eight hours, you know? So we went down there. We got to see Sarah. It was a blast. It was good. In case you're wondering, Sarah's doing good. Love my sister. Um, we went down there. We are going fishing. Well, Sarah invited us to go evangelizing. So we weren't just fishing for fish. We were getting to fish for men. We were fishers of men and fishers of fish. I think we were better fishers of men than we were fishers of fish this trip. Red tide, not important. We, we, we got on some. It was pretty fun. It was a good time. But I'm telling you. So when I say we went evangelizing, we are going evangelizing. Sarah has this group. And I wasn't really sure what to expect. I was expecting some like really hip, cool college kids, you know, like, what's up, Jesus? Like, I, I did not have an inkling of what was there in my mind. So I show up. They're sitting in this back of this van. Just a bunch of regular people. Regular clothes, chilling in shorts, got their vest on, just, just hanging there. And I'm like, hold up. Y'all are the evangelists? <laughs> ah, all right, uh, all right, let's do this. And no offense to them, but it, it just was not what I had, I, I had seen. Well, I'm telling you, these people were so passionate, were so on fire. One of the guys, Sarah described me, or described him as, you got to watch out for him. He will try to convert that telephone pole over there. Anthony said he had this stare. He'd look. He'd find his target, and he'd go. I'm telling you, he would talk to anybody. doesn't matter if they're 300 pounds over here looking like they're going to kill someone. Like He was going to evangelize. The Holy Spirit was in him. He was going to say what God was having him say. That's how we're supposed to live. Me and Joseph, Joseph and I, we went. There was a guy. He was a street performer. He had his guitar. He was packing up. So I go there, and I sit. I go, how's it going? What you up to? You leaving for the day? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving. So we get to talking. We get to talking. And I go, do you know where you're going after you die? And that just led into a whole conversation. And I got to hear his story. He was from New York. He came down there to Florida. He 
grown up in church, but he, he didn't have the salvation. He was, he was missing the key part. There were some things holding him back, and I further found out that not only was he just performing on the street, he was homeless. He was living out of his car. He got evicted a month before. Nobody else was walking by talking to this guy. Rael, that was his name. Nobody was talking to Rael. But we were. We see the people no one sees. These people, these evangelists, turn their conversations into gospel opportunities. Now you might say, Josh, hold up. That ain't exactly my type of thing. You know, I got the other type of gifts, you know. Discernment, something like that. Well, we're all called to be evangelists. Lucky for you. Don't worry. We got gotcha. you. April 29th, we're doing the prison ministry up in Century. It's about an hour away. It's not bad. We're going into a prison with our main goal of spreading the gospel. You get to evangelize to these men that are looking for something. They're looking for more. If you don't know how to evangelize, God will provide ways to evangelize. It's a Saturday. I would love for y'all to come. We went about a month ago, and I'm telling you, oh, oh, it was a blast. <clears throat> so, in closing, we have the ultimate provision. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He provided for us the ultimate provision of salvation. He provided Jesus to die on that cross for you and I. For the sinners and the sanctified. See, the issue is we see our physical needs. We see our emotional needs. But for some reason, we don't see our spiritual needs as, as important as these things. If I have some absolutely amazing fried chicken, which I make some killer fried chicken. If I were to make my fried chicken, if I were to give it to Peyton right there, he would not turn it down. He wouldn't. If he's hungry, he's not going to turn it down. If I had the most amazing, cold, perfect room temp not room temperature, but put it in the fridge, taken out for a few minutes, has that like moist stuff on the outside, that perfect water, and you are so thirsty... <laughs> So thirsty, you've been working outside, you are just out to your limit, you're dehydrated. If I had that water, you are going to take it. You are going to drink it. You're not going to ask questions, man, I don't really know much about that water. Hold up, where's that water been? I'm not good enough for that water. I'm not good enough for that fried chicken. But when it comes to spiritual, we ask Hold up. No, I, I can't take that free gift. No, no, no. Or, eh, you know, I see these other, other things I need, but I don't even acknowledge that I need God. I can do life without him. When we were evangelizing, I call him the millionaire. We talked to this dude, and he was the type of person that was too good for God. I'm not sure if you know those type of people. Or if you've encountered those type of people. But he was too good for God. Don't be that. Are we too good 
for God. We're not too good for the water. We're not too good for fried chicken. Now, we had a long conversation round and round. But we got water. I can give it to you. We got fried chicken. I can give it to you. Well, lucky for you, we got salvation. God gives salvation freely. You can come here. Altar's always open. We got the cross right there. You have your seats right there. If you're watching online, you probably have a couch or wherever you have. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another day if you don't have the salvation. Because like I'm preaching on the street, if you die tomorrow, if you get in a car wreck, if you're crossing the street and a big truck comes by and hits you, where are you going? 10 out of 10, do you know you are going to heaven? If you are 9 out of 10, if you're 8 out of 10, what's the issue? We are promised salvation. People ask us, how do you know? How are you confident that you are 10 out of 10? That's very certain. Right here. We are given it in God's word. Whoever believes him in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you haven't made that decision, what are you waiting on? As the band comes up, I want to leave you with that. What are you waiting for? Is there questions you have? Is there past experiences? No, I can't do that. Are you too good for God? That's my favorite. What are you waiting on? We see God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. The Lord will provide, just like he did for Abraham and Isaac, just like he did for Paul. So, as we have this time, be asking God, where am I? Am I 10 out of 10 knowing that I have salvation in you? Because look, it ain't us. It is not us. If it was us, we would all be going straight to hell. It's through his salvation, which is the beauty of what we saw in Tampa. We saw a bunch of broken, hurt people. We saw a mailman that was out there spreading the gospel. Drug addicts that were out there that were healed. They weren't perfect. They were spreading their story. There were some men that walked by. And they're like, hey, is that a cult? And we go, Jesus. I'm dead serious. We were finished. We were praying. They come over. Four guys. We got to evangelize to four guys. We got their numbers. They're doing a Bible study with them now. Go and get coffee. I'm talking just ridiculous. What are you waiting on? Miss Sandy is a beautiful, beautiful example. Miss Sandy, doesn't matter where she is in life right now. Doesn't matter age, doesn't matter anything. She knows that she did not have salvation. And she knew that she did not want to go to hell and be in eternal separation from God. So she made that commitment. 
It's open. What are you waiting on?